This is the Alchemize Your Life podcast. On this episode, we're getting really personal about my experience with hallucinogens. So trigger warning, if you're not cool with that, I'll see you in the next episode. Hi, I'm Sian Kenshin. And I'm Sophie Ma. And we're here to alchemize your life. In this podcast... We show you how to apply the principles of spirituality, prosperity, and sexuality to create true and lasting transformations in your life and business. Join us at the Prism Institute of Quantum Alchemy as we explore the ancient, esoteric teachings of Buddhism, Tantra, Hermetics, and more. As we weave these primal energies together within ourselves, We repair the fractured consciousness of humanity itself. Join us in liberating the world and realizing that the gold is in you. We're going to have a little bit of fun today, guys, because we are going to talk about what I would define as the most recent uh, transcendental, super spiritual experience that I have had, which happened while we were at a music festival in Canada called Chambala. And I experienced, are you ready? Dremel. My very first ever acid trip. And I say my very first ever acid trip because we're going to talk about this, but it's not like I hadn't tried to experience acid up until this point, and it just wasn't working. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about um, some recreational drug use stuff. So a bit of a trigger warning here. If that's uncomfortable for you, let's go ahead and just turn this off right now. And of course, if there's a, and let me add a disclaimer here that nothing in this podcast is to uh, glamorize or to make recreational drug use look like it is a good thing or a thing that is um, beneficial or something that you should approach. Everything here is said with my own personal experience, which has been positive, but with the understanding that there is a lot of negative consequences that can come from recreational drug use. It is illegal substances, so I'm not condoning their use. Disclaimer right there. And I encourage you to do your own research if this is something that is curious um, or interesting to you, just like our talks about ayahuasca in previous episodes. Do your own research. Of course, you can always ask us on Instagram at Queen Sophima at Zen Mindhacker if you have any questions. But at the end of the day, do your research, trust your intuition, and make the decision that is right for you, irregardless of what anybody else tells you. Okay, disclaimer uh, done. Now let's get into the good stuff. So while we were at Shambhala, um, we had a beautiful, beautiful experience on Saturday which was um, the very first time that I personally have ever experienced what I would define as an asset high. And this was a, first of all, a very deep spiritual experience for me that was so beautiful and so wonderful from a mindset perspective and so healing and provided a lot of lessons that I want to share with you guys. Additionally, though, it was also really significant because this has been something that I have been trying or working towards achieving in my life not like it was a goal that was on my vision board, but it's kind of been in the back of my mind basically since I was 16 years old. So we're going to talk about that. 
Now, a little bit of background here is I grew up in a, a very clean household. Uh, there was no drug use in my household whatsoever. However, it was very, very prominent in my friend circles. Some of my friends had parents that grew pot, that had parents that were dealers. A lot of my friends were dealers. So I was around it a lot, especially in junior high and high school. And it wasn't really something that actually really interested me for the vast majority of these ages. I had lots of friends that smoked pot and I just didn't, I just didn't like it. It just wasn't of interest to me. I mean, of course I tried it. And for me personally, it just didn't work. Uh, there was no real interest or pull there. So I would hang out with them and they, they would, you know, use their substances and that was fine. Now there was two things that really drew my attention, even from a very young age. I have always, always, always had a really strong interest from the day I learned about it, about hallucinogenics. Specifically at that time, because the only two that I was really familiar with were mushrooms and LSD acid. I was super enthralled by the idea of these and the experiences that people would have and the stories of people in the hippie culture and even friends that were doing, um, you know, things like mushrooms more recreationally. And, and now you can do them very medicinally, right? Like the, it's a whole cult counterculture movement that we're seeing now. But we're going back quite a few years here. And at that time, it was all recreational use. And I just, it was such an interesting rabbit hole for me to see how people were accessing these alternate dimensions, these other modes of consciousness. This has been something that has been very, very interesting to me ever since my early teens, but I just had no idea how to even begin to access it. Of course, now I know meditation. Now I know breath work. Now I know many, many non drug-related ways to access these altered states of consciousness. Float tanks are also a really, really great example. But at that time in my life, there was just, maybe this resonates for you guys, but there was just something that was so familiar about the experience of reaching these altered states of consciousness, about experiencing these other dimensions, about having these big awakening moments. And it, it really pulled on my soul. And so when I got older, once I hit my late teens and my early 20s, I started to experiment. And it took me a while actually to get into the place of trying mushrooms. I ended up experimenting with a variety of other hard drugs. And actually, I'll even backtrack a little bit. One of the things that I think was really beneficial as well in this teenage age, um, in my earlier teens, is part of that rabbit hole was reading a lot of books around people that were drug users. And so I would read things about, for example, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, his book, his, um, the biography, Heavier Than Heaven. Uh, there was another book, I think it was called Girl Bomb, that was a um, fictional recounting of a, a teenage girl who was like really heavily into depression and ended up, I think, turning to PCP and at the end of the book uh, did not end well for her, let's just say. And I mentioned this because this had a really profound effect on me in really balancing the way that I was seeing my friends recreationally use these drugs very carelessly. And it made it very clear to me that I needed to act with caution, that it was really, really important that if I was going to play in this space, I was going to do so from an educated space. I was going to do it from as safe of a space as possible. And it really, really shone a light on how dangerous this world can be. Because I wasn't just reading, you know, we've all seen the government propaganda around drug use, especially in Canada. It's pretty, there's a lot of it. And 
I, it always just seemed kind of phony to me. It was like never really a deterrent to me because I was just like, okay, all right, government of Canada, like whatever. Like this is who we, what is this even a picture of? Like, we don't even know. It just felt like scare tactics. And I was always very skeptical of that. But real stories of people's and even fictional stories of, of how deep this rabbit hole can go and how dangerous it can get and how easily you can slip into um, states of consciousness that can that don't serve you really kept me grounded and kept me safe when I was in environments where people were really going off the deep end with their usage. That helped me stay centered and know, okay, like, where is my line? And to be very, very mindful and very intentional and very conscious with my usage, which I know is not a word that we often hear correlated with uh, recreational drugs. But I think we're seeing a lot of that now in the spiritual community is really intentional, conscious use of recreational drugs, especially as an awakening technology when used appropriately, safely, consciously, and not like a 16-year-old. So when I got into the space where I was starting to explore and starting to see like, what was the world of, what is this world that's available that, you know, the government and our parents so badly don't want us to get into, but everybody around me seems to be really happy about. And all the books have some warnings, but you know, it doesn't really seem that bad. And I started to really get into that space and starting to play in that space. And mushrooms found me first. Um, and they were a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I've heard many, many people have had very traumatic experiences with mushrooms. I personally have never had that experience. I wouldn't say I've ever had a deeply spiritual experience with mushrooms, but I have always had very beautiful, very joy-filled experiences. So especially in my late teens and early 20s, when I was really, you know, it's a coming of age time and your personality is kind of shifting, you're moving out, you're trying to figure out who you are and what you want in this world without being under the thumb of, of parental authority or anything like that. And at this time in my life, I was at a stage where I was struggling with who I was supposed to be and who I wanted to be. And mushrooms at that stage in my life, again, festivals, camping, like always in very intentional conscious environments where there was a lot of safety precautions and a lot of um, safety measurements taken, um, really provided an opportunity for that version of me that was who I was supposed to be to melt away. And who I wanted to be and who I was meant to be, not who I had been conditioned to be, was able to come forward. And that provided a lot of healing and a lot of growth for me in my late teens and into my early 20s. And is still actually one of my um, favorite opportunities, you know, a couple times a year to de-stress. I love, love, love connecting with the sacred medicine of mushrooms. Now, the why am I mentioning all this? To kind of paint a picture for you of my curiosity and my genuine interest and my like soul calling to explore this concept that is hallucinogenic drugs and just altered states of consciousness in general didn't even have to be drug related like float tanks I just was all over those um, and like I said as soon as I found out that you could access this through, through breath work and meditation there was something in my soul that really wanted that and to me, at that time, the epitome of that was acid. I had read so many stories and I got so fascinated with the hippie counterculture movement of the 60s and even into the 70s and a little bit of the 80s and how so much of that had been fueled by what people had seen and experienced in the acid movement. 
And even our late abbot of mine and Sien's um, Zen order, which is called Hollow Bones Rinzai Zen, uh, his name is Junpo Dennis Kelly. And if you look him up, he's actually written a couple of books around how he found Zen after his experiences with acid. So this has always been in the back of my mind as something that was kind of the epitome of, of hallucinogenic experiences and transcendental experiences. And what's interesting is that I had actually tried acid. I had taken acid um, five times up until this past weekend. And every single time, it didn't work. It just didn't work. And that seems really strange, right? Like, how does it just not work? How does it just not work? How is that a thing that can happen? And, you know, everything else that I had ever tried always worked. I had never had a type of I've heard of people that, you know, in some cases, some things just don't work with them. That had never been my experience. Everything always worked. But for some reason, it didn't matter what type of acid it was. It didn't matter how much I took. I experimented with it. And it just never seemed to work for me. And this was a common you know, area of concern and like frustration for me. Like, what do you mean this isn't working for me? Like, how is that even possible? Like, is my brain broken? Like, what is this? Um, and eventually I just decided, well, whatever, it's just not meant to be. And I just let it go. And that was about, I would say five years ago, maybe even six years ago now. So it's been a while. And then I've completely forgotten about it as manifestations tend to happen. Then Sian and I end up with a dear friend of ours, Cameron, uh, traveling to Shambhala in British Columbia, Canada. And it turns out that he is a really big fan of acid. And instantly, oh my gosh, my stomach gets so excited. I'm lit up. I'm like, okay, this is the time. We are going to figure out, I'm going to try it. And this is going to be the time that this works. I can just feel it. Things are different. I am a very different human than I was five years ago six years ago. And I think it's going to work. So we're going to try it. So we get some and we have this amazing plan Saturday to, uh, to do acid, the three of us together. And holy Hannah, you guys, what an experience that was. I actually need to take a sip of water before I dive into this experience and the lessons that I had as a result of it. Now, the very first thing I want to share with you is one of the takeaways that I actually had from the experience, which was about halfway through, um, it was such a beautiful, such a beautiful experience, especially with all of the meditation that I do now, I was literally able to watch it dissecting my brain. And like, it was the most mindful, like, I almost want to call it a surgical experience of like, here's this pattern you need to work on. Here's this pattern you need to work on. Here's this shadow. Here's that shadow. Here's this thing. While also being so connected to source and oneness all at the same time, it was just such a beautiful, profound experience for me. But about halfway through, I had was watching all of this happen, all of this energy and all of these realizations happening and um, feeling this energy moving through my body and, and how, and we'll talk about the come up experience, which was actually quite challenging for me in a moment and evaluating all of that. And all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, this is why this never worked before because the level of um, insight that I was afforded that I was gifted through this experience was so deep and so profound. 
and required such a willingness to look at my own inner shit that it never could have gotten through my inner protector. And that's why it wasn't working for all of the times that I had tried it, for all of the frustration, for all of the belief that my brain was wrong or that I was wrong or that I was doing something bad because these illegal drugs didn't work, which sounds ridiculous, I know, but that's my truth. So I want you guys to know that sometimes I have ridiculous thoughts too. Um, for all of that, it just all of a sudden clicked into alignment so, so clearly in my brain where I could just see so clearly this didn't work because you weren't ready for it. I wasn't ready for it, which is wild when you think about it with all the other experiences I've had with all the deep breathwork experiences I've had and all the meditative experiences I've had and all of the trauma releases that I've done and all of the ayahuasca that I have worked with. And that, that has been some hard shit, you guys. And I have such a, a much deeper, more profound respect for the, the medicine that is acid as a result of that, because I know that the whole reason it never worked for me before this was because I would not have been ready for its medicine. And it would have been actually very damaging for me to allow that into my system because I had so much unprocessed trauma and was trying, working so hard to keep myself together and keep myself safe and keep myself in this tiny little box that taking something that was going to shift my consciousness to that level would have been absolutely terrifying to me. So I'm very grateful to my inner protector who knew that I was not yet ready for this experience and kept it from me, essentially, <laughs> for so many years. And so much of a deep, profound respect for people that can work so closely with this really potent medicine and that can um, really go into those depths of themselves because Unlike, for example, a mushroom experience, which for me has always been very like joyous and heart opening. And it's like I return to this like childlike state of wonder and I did the whole world just becomes a place to play. This was like a surgical unfolding of everything I need to fix to move to the next level of awakening. Um, and so it was still very fun. And there was still a lot of really beautiful energy and, and transcendental experience moving through me. But it, it was fucking surgical, yo. And it was definitely, I can see how it would have been, you know, in other states of consciousness and in other mindsets, it would have been tough. And there was even a few moments where I had to use a lot of my tools to bring myself back to center. So let's talk about the come up experience for me. And the come up experience was actually one of, was the hardest experience of the entire acid experience on Saturday. And also for me, it was one of the most enlightening. It was one of the ones that allowed me to see the most about myself because it was hard. And this is one of the things that I love to remind everybody of is like, you know, yes, your pleasure is your power. I say that all the time. And yes, your joy, you should follow your bliss, right? Abraham Hicks tells us about this. But if we stay only in joy states 100% of the time, then we are not allowing ourselves to do the shadow work. And we stay in this heightened state of not reality, right? It's a, a state of fantasy. We as human beings are meant to have a full spectrum of emotions, which means we've got to be willing to go into the gunk. We've got to be willing to go through the shadow work. And part of me feels like that that first hour that I experienced with acid was a bit of an initiation to prove to myself and to my inner protector that I was actually ready for what was going to come next. And it's important for us to not shy away from the hard stuff because it would have been very easy for me to just say, you know what? this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. And I have enough bodily control, clearly, that I could have just shut it off. 
I could have just said, you know what? No, this isn't for me. I don't like it. It's dark. It's eerie. It's creepy. I, it's making me uncomfortable. I don't want this. Turn it off. And I would have just ended the experience and it would have been fine. And I still would have had a great night, but I would have missed out on everything, all of the awakenings and all of the lessons and all of the learning and all of the teachings that came after that. And this is the lesson that I want, one of the first lessons that I want you guys to take is that it's worth going through the hard stuff. It's so worth going through the hard stuff. You are not meant to be 100% in bliss all the time. Yes, your pleasure is your power, but you're not even meant to be in your power all the time, right? We have seasons, we have rhythm, we have the law of seasonality, the law of rhythm, the law of gender, right? We have all of these laws that create balance in our beings, we cannot be all power all the time. That turns into what? A desert in the natural world, right? That turns into a forest fire in the natural world. That turns into destruction. So allowing ourselves to ease into and surrender into, sometimes it gets to be a little muddy and sometimes it gets to be a little uncomfortable. And that actually is not only just a good thing, but a necessary part of the process. So the very first portion for me that very first hour was where my inner protector came out. We've named her Claudia. We like to name our, our inner archetypes. And my inner protector came out and she was not happy y'all. She hasn't, I haven't actually worked that much with her in about a year um, because a lot of the work I've done, I've been ready for, and it's been, I've had a really transformative year, but there hasn't been a need for her to come out and like protect me from myself, essentially. That hasn't been a thing for quite a while. So it was really interesting for me to witness her coming online and saying, what the flying fuck did you just do? <laughs> what did you put in your mouth? What were you thinking? And Man, she had a lot to say about it. And I sat there witnessing her for about an hour, just really quiet in my own space and, and just feeling and seeing how concerned she was for me and how afraid she was for me, how concerned she was that I was going to see things that I wasn't ready for, that I was going to have an experience that was going to be negative. And I kept hearing over and over again, like, do you know this shit lasts 12 hours? Like 12 hours. What what were you thinking? You can't do something like this for 12 hours. You want to traumatize yourself for 12 fucking hours? Like the stories that she was twisting and creating in my mind to generate enough fear for me to make the drug turn off were profound. They were powerful. And everybody has this inner protector inside of them. Everybody has this being that is there, that is genuinely there actually to protect the inner child. Um, so they develop as almost like a bigger sibling for your inner child to protect you. And they will have shown up at some point of trauma when you were a child, and then they will have shown up over and over and over again in your life since then. And they believe that they're protecting you. But when we're adults, that's not, you know, that's not really the type of protection we need anymore, usually, right? And it was such a beautiful experience for me, instead of buying into her stories and buying into her fear, it was such a beautiful experience for me to be able to breathe through it and listen to her and not push her away and not make her wrong and not say, shut the fuck up, ego, because I know sometimes we need to do that, but this was not the time for that. And to just hold her in so much love and witness all of her fears and all of her stories coming up 
and then allowing them to dissolve and just saying like, that doesn't need to be my experience. I know plenty of people that have not had super negative acid experiences. And in fact, I know that mindset is 95% of it. The mindset you have when you're going in is 95% of it. So why don't we just breathe through this? Why don't we just decide that we're going to have a beautiful experience and just choose that and not let any of this negativity and not let any of this fear catch up? And I'll be honest, it took me a while to get to that point, right? This was about an hour that I'm shortening down to you in just a few minutes here. So there was an hour of her kind of running away and me bringing her back and essentially using her as, as a meditation piece. And eventually, we got to the point where we could be in agreement that this probably wasn't, you know, the worst decision I've ever made in my entire life. And maybe we could just breathe into it. And maybe we could just ease into it and surrender into whatever experience was going to come up. And if it ended up being hard and traumatic, then that's okay. I now have the tools that I'm capable of dealing with that. And if it ended up being glorious and wonderful, well then, hello, fuck yeah, that's amazing. So she and I came to that agreement together because I continually brought myself back to center. I didn't allow myself to get swept away in the story. And I believe that that's the only reason it worked is because I proved to my nervous system and, and to her, to Claudia, that I was able to do that, that I was able to hold myself and that if things did get a little carried away, I would be able to bring myself back to center and choose something different because guys, we are always just a decision point away from changing our lives. Just one decision point. That's lesson number two. I want you guys to take away from this. All you have to do is decide. Now, deciding is not always easy. As I just indicated, This it took me an hour of back and forth with her before the decision actually landed. But once I decided, the decision was made and my entire experience changed. It was from that point that I literally witnessed what I can only describe as a, a, a zipping open of my brain. And it was like universe, some other surgeon, I don't know who, some new surgeon, the surgeon of acid, the LSD surgeon, we'll call him. Um, I don't know why it's a him. I've just decided in this moment, opened up my brain and illuminated to me First of all, so much joy in my life that I wasn't allowing myself to see, but also so many mindset traps that I had been um, falling into. And this is another thing that I think is so, so powerful about allowing yourself to get into states of chaos, whether that is an ayahuasca retreat, whether that is a meditation retreat, whether that is just doing something that is completely different than the way that you would normally do anything in your life. Because I had a story that, I mean, you guys know, I'm the mindset queen. I'm the manifestation queen. And I was definitely allowing this story of, yeah, I've gotten to a really good place. And I, there's not a ton of super major work left. Like, there's always work to be done. There's always shadow work. And I'm sure there's going to be a trauma just, like, hanging out in the next corner <laughs> just to, like, prove me wrong. There's always lessons to be learned. But from a day-to-day -day operating procedure, my triggers are pretty on point. My mindset's pretty on point. I'm nine times out of 10 fairly grounded. I'm still pretty hard on myself. And that was really the next thing that I was working on. But I had this story that I, for most part, I got everything locked in. And I'm not saying that that's not true because it definitely is still true. But what my um, LSD surgeon highlighted to me is, holy hell, I have a lot of fucking blind spots and the reason I couldn't see them is because they weren't in places that my regular life was triggering them. 
What do I mean by that? They were in relation to, for example, the way I relate to strangers, the way I stand in my power when I'm in a group of people, the way I feel comfortable in my body, the way that I relate to a group of people that is talking that I want to talk to or that I want to compliment their outfit. So a lot of these extroverted um, behaviors that really for the last few years, I mean, yes, I'm a very extroverted person, but you know, we've been through pandemic, we've been traveling a lot. And there hasn't been a lot of opportunity for me to drop myself into an experience with my ego blown open and a surgeon in my brain, where I could so clearly see these patterns of, for example, avoiding eye contact, or feeling uncomfortable receiving the sexual energy of a male or the desire based energy of a male, or actually feeling really uncomfortable being on camera, which was really a really weird experience for me because you guys know I'm on camera all the fucking time. So there were all of these interesting <clears throat> lessons and um, illuminations that I was gifted through the surgeon of LSD acid, um, opening up my brain and showing me as I was just going about my day, um, and going about, you know, finding a different stage that I wanted to play with or having a conversation with people. It allowed me, it was almost like the observer was like on hyper mode. So you guys know, we have the witness, we have the observer and the observer that was watching the experience was like, Oh, hey, that's not usually like you. Oh, hey, that's not usually like you. Oh, hey, that felt uncomfortable. Why did that feel uncomfortable? And so many different lessons and mindset pieces really evolved for me as a result of that. So now I've got some fucking work to do. And I am super excited about that. Now, the very last thing that really came into beautiful focus, um, during this experience. And I won't go into too much detail here because I have a uh, sneaking suspicion that CN and I at some point will, will do a podcast on this episode, on this together. But to give you a little bit of a teaser, we had a, a beautiful moment on the dance floor where both of us locked into each other's energy and developed what I can best describe as a meditative dance, where we were both dancing and flowing energy so beautifully from one another and between each other and it became a meditation to focus on each other while also focusing on the space around us, but not losing the focus on each other. And in that moment, we both touched source again for, I don't even know how many times we've done it now, but it was a really, really beautiful opportunity for both of us to feel that source energy just flowing through our bodies and opening us up to a way of moving that we haven't experienced in a very long time because we got caught up in routine. And even though we've gone dancing and we've done these other things, we we got caught up in the normal way of doing things. And sometimes you just need a little bit of radical discontinuity to be able to pull you into your next level of transformation. And this is the last parting lesson that I want you guys to take home with you today is the importance of radical discontinuity in your spiritual and personal development journey. I cannot stress this enough. At any point, if you're starting to feel like you're a little plateaued or, hey, like things are actually, they've been really easy and they've been really good lately and everything's kind of flowing. Like that's good. I'm not saying you got to go through the muck beca just because things are good. Like enjoy the good, but you're going to know whether it's within a couple months or in our case, a couple years, when you hit that next stage where you're like, hmm, all of this kind of seems easy now. 
And the easy's not necessarily exciting anymore. It's not that it's not hard, it's that it's not exciting. And I want to be careful here because sometimes that can become a spiritual bypassing and we can run into patterns of needing to create chaos. And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is just feeling so comfortable that you're comfortable. And knowing that there's now that that inner restless, that soul restlessness starts to come up again and say, uh-uh-uh, there's more for you. Don't you sit on your laurels, missy. And that was really what this experience was for us, was an opportunity for us to not sit on our laurels, to practice radical discontinuity, to do things that the two of us together have never done before. The two of us haven't gone on a multi-day camping trip together like this. Uh, this was our first festival where we went just the two of us. It was our first time experiencing recreational drugs together. So there was a lot of firsts here. And then, of course, my first time experiencing acid and having it actually kick in and work and really bring me into this like beautiful state of oneness and reminding me how important it is not to get super comfortable on the spiritual path. So remember that radical discontinuity is a tool you can use. I'm not saying go do acid in the woods with a bunch of strangers. What I am saying is whatever radical discontinuity is for you, allow yourself to experience and explore that because that is likely where your next awakening is going to come from. And with that, I will see you guys in the next episode. We are so grateful that you decided to hit play on today's episode. If anything in this episode has inspired you or helped you transform your life, make sure to let others know by sharing a review on Spotify or iTunes so we can keep our community growing. We absolutely adore giving away free gifts. Send us a screenshot of your review to team at theprism.org to receive a special meditation from us as a gift of gratitude. We absolutely cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode. Between now and then, don't forget to visit our website at theprism.org. And remember, the goal is always in you.